you know, the opportunities that we have um, to instill, you know, values, um, to instill habits, um, to instill confidence um, in our young men uh, is something that we should never and we cannot ever take for granted. Um, you know, a coach has the opportunity of truly um, inspiring someone to do something that uh, they probably didn't think that they could or or negatively, you know, on the, on the other side is, is uh, you know, hindering someone or, or putting self-doubt into someone um, more than probably what they, they deserve to have or what they should have. Hey, coaches, this is just a reminder about the 2022 OHSBCA Clinic powered by BSN Sports. The clinic will be held on Sunday, September 25th and Monday, September 26th at the Greater Columbus Convention Center. For more information, please visit www.oh.nhsbca.org. Welcome to Holding Court, presented by the Ohio High School Basketball Coaches Association. Join hosts Adam Hall and Walt Serrato as they sit down with some of the biggest names in Ohio high school basketball and beyond. This show and all of our shows are available to listen to completely free anywhere that you can find podcasts. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Let's get to it. Hello and welcome to the Holding Court Podcast. I'm Walt Serrato here with my co-host Adam Hall. And tonight we're excited to be joined by Micah Mills, the current Wilmington College head men's basketball coach and also the director for PGC Basketball. Coach, thank you for coming on tonight and welcome to the Holding Court Podcast. Excited to be here. Thank you. And uh, thank you for the opportunity. And I'm extremely grateful uh, to talk some hoops tonight, talk about Wilmington basketball and Hopefully give out a couple nuggets or two. We're glad you're here. Let's uh let's jump right into it. So you were a 2007 graduate of Dover High School. You were a multi-sport athlete playing football and basketball, and you had the opportunity to play for two legendary coaches in the area, in the state of Ohio even, Dan If and Bob Van Kennel. Talk to us about that experience and what, if any role, Coach If or Coach Von Kennel had in your decision to pursue coaching as your profession. Yes, extremely blessed with that opportunity uh, to play for you know both of those legends, and they absolutely um, had an impact on me coaching. First and foremost, I, I think the thing that I learned from them both is that you can be a, a great coach, you can be successful, even if you're from, uh, even if you have different styles of coaching. Right? I, I think Coach If um, and Coach Vonkin are both approach um, their sport in their own unique way. Um, I, I think one thing about Coach If that I that I thought was unique is he's always been um, he's always just changed and adapted with different things. Um, and he always was, you know, whether it was the wing T to the spread out mo to the spread out passing or, or back to the wing T and things, he's always been open to changing his approach. And the thing that I admire really about Coach Coach Von Kennel, he has he has a way of winning and, and coaching basketball. Um, and he knows it in and out, and, and that's what we do. Uh, and, and so, you know, having both those two different styles, I think, uh, was unique to see as a player. The one thing that I will say that they, they both did um, was we all of our teams were always disciplined. All of our teams, um, both basketball and football, was always a team's first approach. And then they always, like both of those coaches, man, I can't tell you how much they prepare as coaches, but more importantly, how much they prepared us as players uh, for our football games, for our basketball games. Um, and um, they prepared us and, and molded us to expect to win um, in, in, both, in both programs. I mean, I can very 
I don't know if there ever was a game that when I played high school football or basketball when I did not expect to win. And I think that just this speaks to the mindset that they both instill in their players. So, Coach, um, I was also blessed um, <laughs> yep. to graduate from Dover and and play for Coach Von Kennel as well. So uh, I would echo those same comments you made. But I just want to follow up to that that question you had. Um, you are a multi-sport athlete. And so kind of wanted your thoughts on athletes playing multiple sports, um, especially those athletes who may be pursuing an opportunity to play at the next level. Uh, The single sport specialization continues to rise on both the boys and girls side in high school athletics. And it it seems as though there's more pressure put on kids to specialize in, in order to get that scholarship. And I guess as a coach at the collegiate level, do you encourage it? Do you have a preference one way or the other? Just just speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I think it's uh, it is interesting how much that is growing as a you know as a thing of right of you got to specialize in. Not only you got to specialize, but even at younger age you have on younger ages you have to specialize. I I I embrace it with with players when they ask me about it. I, I think it's a good thing. Um, you know, I played with you know some high level athletes in high school and in college that all played two sports and sometimes three sports. The three-sport athlete is kind of uh, a thing of the path and and sounds like a myth when you say that anymore. Um, But I I think it's a good thing, man. As much as I love basketball um, and as much as I I want my guys training uh, for basketball, I think there is something to have that healthy balance of of being able to do something else and and being able to, you know, play a different sport and just be an athlete and learn how to be an athlete and learn how to compete uh, in in different realms. Absolutely, Coach. And, um, I want to go. I want to stick with high school for for a couple minutes here. And um, you had the opportunity when you were in high school, and, and and I know myself and Walton, you are familiar with the names, and many listening to this podcast will also be familiar with some of these names. But you played with an individual by the name of Percy Gardner, former pitcher for the Cleveland Indians. Yep. Daniel Ift, four year player at Ball State University, and now the director of football operations for the University of Minnesota. And a guy by the name of Eric Dumermuth, who attended Notre Dame College in Cleveland, Ohio, and, and was a standout player for them. Outside of their natural athletic ability, what intangibles did they bring to the table? that made them special that that you were able to witness firsthand playing with them yeah hey man some of my favorite teammates of all time right there you just named man so i i I love uh reminiscing on those days playing with those guys the one thing there's two things i feel like that they uniquely did um as well just those teams where they were able to always balance that ability of having fun and then getting to work which as you know not everybody can especially at the high school level um but I, I just remember, like, we would have a lot of good times and we would laugh a lot and, and, and we would enjoy ourselves. But when it was time to work and strap it up, we, we did that. And I, I think that all three of those guys had those characteristics. Um, and then the other thing was, as good as Percy was, as good as Daniel was, as, as good as Eric was, and he was really good at, at soccer, too. He was, one of, he was an all-state uh, soccer goalie when his, his junior and senior year as well. Um, but as, as good as they were, they never were bigger than the team. Right? They never uh, made themselves bigger than the team. And so, you know, that that just gravitates guys around you. That makes guys want to play with you. Um, and, and, it, and it just makes it just just a fun environment. And those those so those would be the two things that really stand out when I think about those those unique individuals. So let's let's move on to, to after high school. You go on uh, and attend Ohio Valley University in West yes, Virginia. Sir. Where you're a four-year letterman, three-year yep. captain, 
you also finished your career. We're, we're here with uh, in the presence of greatness here because you, you finished your career with the program's all time as the all time leader in assists and free throw percentage, two records that are never going to be broken. That's right. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, because the, unfortunately, the yes. Closes doors, but hey, you'll you'll take that to the grave, and that's something you're that's proud right. of. That's um, right. That is right. We we were talking before about you said during this time playing in college is when you made your decision that you wanted to pursue a, a, a profession and your career coaching at the college level. What was it then to maybe choose college over going back to high school? Yeah, you know, um, obviously playing for Coach If and, and Coach Von Kennel, and I, I got a co coach. Uh, throw Coach Gunther's name in there as well as just, uh, you know, three guys. And the list goes on. Dover's blessed with great coaches. But um, those three individuals for sure showed me and taught me the impact a high school coach could have um, on just young men in general. And so when I got to when I got to college, I kind of thought every coach was going to be like that. Um, and that. And that just that wasn't the case. Um, and what I found out even more is like those years between 18 and 22 and 23, um, how important they are for us as we're growing and maturing. And, you know, I coached on the men's side. And so when I speak about that, I, you know, how important it is for a young man to grow from being 18 to 22 years old and being ready to go out into the world. And, and, and you know, I was blessed. I was fortunate, man. I have, a, I have some great mentors in my life. I have, uh, you know, some great male role models in my family that I look up to dearly. And I, I would say I, I didn't necessarily need a coach at that point in my life to, to keep me on the path that I wanted to go on. But I had a lot of, I had a lot of college teammates that did. And I know I have a lot of college teammates right now that their, their path would probably look a little bit different. Um, if they had a coach that, you know, loved on them and cared on them and, and made sure that they grew as a, as an individual and as a young man. And so for me, that's, that's what led me into in coaching college basketball. I just feel like those years, 18 to 22, they're so vital. Um, the conversations that, I get to have with my young men, um, the, the struggles and battles that they go through are, are just a little bit different than things that you hear at the high school level. And, uh, you know, I, it's important for me to make sure when they're 22 and 23, um, they're ready to be some some highly successful citizens and, and impact individuals in their own communities. So, Coach, after attending Ohio Valley University, you spent some time at the high school level coaching in Parkersburg, West Virginia. And then you made your way on to Otterbein University for three years before finally ending up in Wilmington, where you were the assistant slash associate coach for the past seven years. I guess kind of talk to us about the journey, what you took away from each spot, maybe the coaches that you coached under, and basically what you're going to take with you now as you get set to enter your first year uh, as the head coach at Wilmington. Yeah. Okay. So at, at Parkersburg High School, I, um, Coach Carr um, was the coach that really brought me onto their staff, um, and we we basically co-coached the freshman team, and then we were assistant on the varsity team as well. And the thing I learned from Coach Carr, he was older than me. He was a, a former uh, a former vet um, for us, uh, serving our country. But the thing I learned about Coach Carr. Um, was to give your staff opportunities. Like me coming in, I, I was finishing up my last year of high school. I mean, my last year of college. And and he gave me a role in, in practices and he gave me a role um, in, in scouting with the varsity teams and things like that, that I don't know if, if a lot of coaches with his, with his level of experience and maturity uh, probably would have. And that just allowed me to learn at that level. Like you got to give your, your staff um, you got to give them opportunities to grow and use their voices in practice. And so that that really aided me to pretty much by the end of the year, he had me running the freshman team for the most part. Um, and, and so I always will thank Coach Carr for that opportunity and, and teaching me that lesson. Uh, and something that I hope to do with my staff um, this year going forward is, is giving my staff opportunities to use their voice in practice 
um, giving them opportunities to use their voice when in the preseason. They each have a, a thing that they say through our recruiting process um, and just really making sure that our staff, you know, our, our players hear other voices and just myself. And they know that it's us running it. It's not just Mills running it. It's it's our staff that's running it. Um, it it's something that I learned there and something that, you know, we're definitely going to implement. At Otterbein, I, I, I coached uh, under a, a guy by the name of Coach Todd Adrian. And Coach Adrian was all about the details. He was very much detail-oriented. You know, I can remember he had me in charge of doing our our, our newsletter, and he, he was so precise with every little thing in that newsletter, um, everything that we ever sent out that I was in charge of and how we went over it, um, and really just taught me to really pay attention to all the details of anything that you're doing, anything that your program's representing. Um, and then he also was very, very specific with like just our appearance as coaches, right? Of just, you know, being clean cut and, and, and looking like a head coach or looking like an assistant coach um, when you when you present yourself. Um, so those are definitely two things that I, I've taken from Coach Adrian. And then from Coach Hunt, uh, you know, one, one thing that Coach Hunt does that I, I have I, I wholeheartedly believe he's one of the best in the business at doing it is he doesn't back down from tough conversations. Um, he doesn't back down from them from our players. He doesn't back down from them from our staff, from people on campus. Um, if there's a conversation that needs to be had, he's, he's ready to hit it head on. Um, and that's definitely something that I, I've learned and I've grown in and um, having those tough conversations and not backing down. Because I, as you guys know, as coaches, as leaders, um, there's going to be a lot of conversations that are, you know, sometimes get uncomfortable. Um, but you have to be willing and, and able to have those. So those would be some kind of just off the cuff things that I would that I would say from each each spot. Yeah. And coach, um, you know, listening to you talk, uh, we were doing a podcast the other day with uh, coach Brendan Sir, who assistant coach with the Pistons and on the dream team. And we were just talking about um, society today and, and, and the culture and um, how we kind of live in a microwave almost society instead of that slow cooker society. You know, we want yeah. that instant success. Uh, we want that next job before we um, put in the time, um, getting our feet wet um, at the current job we're in. And uh, it, it seems like with you, you were able to do that. You, you had some experience at the high school level. You spent 10 years as an assistant coach, and we're not even including those years with PGC basketball, which we're going to get into a little bit. I, I guess, are, are you seeing the same thing, and, and, and what do we need to do to, to change that, or what advice would you give to peop, to younger coaches starting in this profession? Man, that, that's that's so good. I've, I've had that conversation with a lot of you know, some of my, my friends in this industry, whether it's coaching on the football side or on the basketball side about that, that slow grind um, and being ready for your opportunity. But the number one thing I can say is you have to master and be you have to master the ability to be where your feet are. Um, if you are looking for that next job, if you're looking for that next opportunity, the odds are that you're not doing your current job and the current opportunity that you have to the nth degree. Um, and, and that is something that um, you cannot cheat the game. You cannot cheat your athletes. Um, you can't cheat the process, you know, by, by looking somewhere else when you when you're at where you're at. Um, I'm, I'm all about, you know, at the end of at the end of seasons or if it's time to to make a move. Yeah, you definitely got to put yourself out there. But first and foremost, man, you have to you have to master the ability to be where your feet are at. And, and I've seen it. Man. I've seen it too many times where 
you know, coaches are chasing that job, chasing that job, and they get to that job um, and they're not ready for the moment, right? They're not they're not ready for that opportunity. And it's over before it before it really began. Um, so any coach that's, you know, having those feelings, I would just hurt, highly encourage them to just master the ability to be where your feet are. Oh, I love that. Be where your feet are. I really like that, you know, because we we all all three of us could probably sit here and think about, you know, maybe someone like that, that mercenary coach is just going to take that that next available job, you know, and, and yep. leaving an impact, leaving a place better than you found it. And I know that's yep. what you're aiming to do here at Wilmington. But but let's aside from coaching at Wilmington now. You uh, you've served as a hoop instructor. You moved up the ladder to assistant director, and now the last six years, the director of the Point Guard College. Um, can you let our listeners know a little bit more about that program, some of your experiences, and, and why you feel in the long run it's made you a better coach? Yeah, so so Point Guard College, um, also known as PGC Basketball, um, by from what I've seen, from all accounts of how many camps I've been to, uh, how many places I've been. Um, is the best just overall teacher of the game of basketball um, that you're going to find in, in a camp in a camp setting. Um, and there, there's a lot of avenues that we've now have ventured into. But, you know, we still are known for our, our four day uh, camp sessions that we do in the summertime um, where we help athletes learn how to thank the game, um, how to see the game and how to play the game at a higher level than when they come with us. Right. And, and we do that. By we teach them. We 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 have film sessions that we have. Um, we have classroom sessions where we're breaking down the game with diagrams and and showing them just all types of different things on how to be a more I would say consistent um, and a more um, successful and, and composed player. Um, obviously on the court, and then we and then obviously we get on the court and we put those things into practice. What we watched in the classroom. Um, on film and what we broke down. Um, and then on top of the basketball aspect, we teach all of our athletes how to be the best version of themselves, right? And what's that look like at their level of wherever they're at, whether they're a seventh grader uh, and they're at one of our, our younger camps or whether they're uh, a sophomore in college and they're at one of, one of our more experienced camps. We teach them how to be the best version of themselves um, and how to be a leader. Um, and so from all those things, right, is, is, is why I fell in love with it as an athlete uh, when I was in college and why I come back every single summer uh, to impact more athletes throughout the country. And, you know, we have sessions all over the world as well. Um, but those are the things that we try to teach at PGC Basketball. So, Coach, let's talk a little AAU basketball here. Uh, it seems today you hear far more negatives than you do positives about it. And to be quite honest, I think we all would agree a lot of the criticism is warranted. I'm just curious to know your thoughts on the AAU scene and what led you to getting involved with the Mid-Ohio Pumas a few years back. Yeah, I, so I think first off, like even when I was, I know I'm not too far away, we moved from basketball, high school basketball, but still obviously now it's approaching almost 20 years and whatnot. But uh, when I came on that scene, it, AAU was still at a point where like, if you played AAU, that means you were a good high school basketball player. Not everybody just played. Um, and, and right now, I feel like just because you say you're playing AAU doesn't mean you're getting a good quality basketball experience. So first and foremost, like if you're, you're a parent or if you're a coach and you're trying to get um, your, your player uh, involved with the AAU you program, the first thing I would ask is who's going to be the coach, um, who are his teammates, and what's the level of competition that we're playing at? I, I feel like those three things – um, get missed so much. And that's why the AAU scene gets such a bad rap is because there's coaches that are sometimes coaching that shouldn't be coaching. There's teams that only show up with, you know, four players or, or players that don't know how to play basketball or players that 
aren't, uh, you know, aren't all in on being a team. So then you got teams out here that look like they have no idea what they're doing. And then you have teams that uh, are either not playing in a, a really good competition level, um, whether it's too high or too low. So those always have to be the first three things that get answered. I joined the Middle High of Pumas because they they answered those three questions in, in, in high order. Uh, Dave Mergen, who runs the organization, uh, I remember I, I first met with him the first time I coached and I said, hey, Number one, I said, what are the parents going to be like? You know, what what type of parents do we have in this this organization? Uh, number two, what's the level of players we're going to be coaching? And then number three, I said, what what type of tournaments are we going to be in? And he was able to to answer those questions at a high order. And and that's one thing that we pride ourselves on with the the Middle High Pumas is having the right people um, leading our our young players, um, having families that understand that and, and being all in. And then we we try to challenge ourselves with the competition that we play at. Um, and our and our players get better across the board. Um, I'm sure there's a couple complaints here and there, but Mid Ohio Pumas is one of the top organizations in Ohio right now for a reason. From how detailed oriented uh, they run it from the top down. Okay, well, Coach, I, I want our listeners to know this real quick before I jump into this next question. Uh, you, you're at a, a team function right now for Wilmington that you stepped outside, you took time out of your night being with your team to to sit down with us. So I just want to point that out that speaks to your dedication to your craft and just trying to help out other coaches so again we thank you for that so as you're heading into your first season as a head coach what are you most excited about and then on the flip side what's keeping you up at night yeah most excited about is is easy man I I cannot wait to just see my guys um, playing with each other and, and playing with just an unmatched passion passion for the game. I'm, I'm a passionate. I played with a lot of passion um, and, and excitement, and I, and I was a team first guy. So you you can definitely expect that's how I'm going to coach my guys, and, and I just can't wait for that. I cannot wait, you know, seeing my guys get excited for each other, seeing us get a big stop on the defensive end and, and our bench getting into the game and our guys on the court clapping and, and bringing that juice that it takes to be a, a, a you know, high-level high High level college basketball team. So that's 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 by far what I, I'm most excited about. I, I can't wait to uh to see that. What keeps me up at night is is planning, uh planning everything, trying to uh make sure I have all my T's uh crossed and I, and I's dotted from um this this preseason, you know, making sure I'm following the NCAA rules on, on where workouts can be, how they need to look, um, but also making sure I can maximize our guys' preseason keeping our guys up, keeping me up at night, trying to figure out our, our practice schedule, when we want to practice, what days we want to try to anticipate taking off. Those are the things that keep me up at night right now. Um, and then also just watching a lot of film. I'm trying to you know, get my 10,000 hours in of, of studying my, my opponents and, and really understanding what's going on here in this conference, man. And uh, I fall asleep. That's, that's my TV show that I'm, I'm involved in right now is, is the OAC basketball, man. I fall asleep to games every single night. So uh, those are the two things that keep me up. So, Coach, before we transition to the next question, give us give us a little preview of the OAC this year. You know, I, I don't think a lot of people understand how good of a basketball league oh, man. the OAC truly is. Right. So, just give us a little preview. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's start off first off. There's just so we understand. There's 41 uh, conferences in Division Three basketball, right, throughout the country. And last year, the OAC uh, was the number fourth rated team in of all those conferences in the country. Right. And uh, that's just how high level basketball it is uh, and how the, the high level of coaching that's in this conference, man. You know, 
some some previews. I would say number one, you got uh, Marietta. They finished in the final four. They made it to the final four last year. Um, they're they're obviously going to be be reloading. Um, they got pieces back that are that are ready to you know to show what they got. Um, they were able to bring in some transfers as well. So they're going to be another team that's legit. Mount Union um, reloads after finishing number ten in the country last year. Um, they have some more pieces back there. And then from there, I, I think you're going to see a bunch of new teams trying to trying to crack up that that next era. I know there's there's three new head coaches in the OAC, include, including myself. And then you got the staples at, at Baldwin Wallace, John Carroll, uh, and, and Capital, um, and Heidelberg that, you know, have all been very successful the last couple of years. So it's going to be another drag them out slugfest every Wednesday and Saturday uh, come December, January, and February in, in the OAC. And I, I encourage any high school coach, um, please, like if you're around a, a OAC school, reach out to us as coaches. We love to get high school teams uh, over to games. Please, if you're in the Wilmington area, reach out. I would love to have you come over and, and watch our team play a game so your players can see uh, what it's like to play in, in the OAC and, and to play at um, at this level. And I and I, I, I mark our conference, division, our OAC up against any small college conference in the country, right? I'm talking D2, D3, um, NAIA, as far as top to bottom, um, from the number one team to the number 10 team, um, it's one of the best out there in small college basketball. You know, Coach, one thing that's impressed me, uh, you know, I've had the opportunity to have you come into my gym uh, on numerous occasions and, and, and look at some of my players and, and give me your feedback. And um, I know you told me you're go- willing to go anywhere to try to find <laughs> players. And But one of, the, one of the things that stuck out to me, um, we had a, a, a kid that, that – um, decided that, you know, he, he didn't want to come uh, to Wilmington. And, and you made the comment, look, I, I just want that kid to do what's best for him. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I want him to come to Wilmington, yeah, but I want him to do what's best for him and to make the best decision for him and his family. Yeah. And you don't always see that. And so I appreciate that. And I, I guess recruiting's tough, yeah. right? Yeah. It, it's yeah. tough. Yeah. You win some, you lose some. I'm not so much interested in, in how you handle the call yep. when a kid says, Coach, I'm coming. How are you handling that call when when that kid that you've poured into, you've invested in, calls and says, Coach, I'm going somewhere else? It's it's tough, man. I, so the month of, of, of April, around that time, I'll say late March, April, and May, College coaches, especially at our level, man, like you have to be prepared basically to get broken up with for like at least at least 20, 20 calls, right? You're gonna get of a kid that you've invested in the last couple months of going to the games, getting to know the families and getting to know, you know, their friends and everything else. And uh, for them to say they're not coming, it it definitely hurts a little bit, you know, it definitely you gotta swallow your pride, but for me, how I've been able to handle it and, and what I'm definitely going to do going forward is, uh, you know, I, I am I am a believer um, and I put a lot of faith into the program that we're building. And, and I wholeheartedly believe that the, the young men that are supposed to be on our roster are going to end up on our roster. Um, you know, I, I know the work that I'm going to put in. I know the work that my staff is going to put in um, and, and we're going to find the right guys. So when it's not a fit, how I sleep at night, how I get through it, as I, I just understand that, hey, the guys that are supposed to be on this team and this roster, they're going to end up on this team and this roster. Um, and and I, I, I learned that lesson from a good friend of mine, TJ Rosine who's the head coach at Emmanuel, uh, Emmanuel College down in Georgia, a very successful Division II program. 
Um, and, and he shared that message with me. And, and I, I can honestly say more times than not, I, I felt like that, that, that has happened. And, and I know it's going to happen going forward in the future. The guys that are supposed to be here are going to be here. Um, I'm going to put the work in. My, my staff's going to put the work in to make sure that happens. And, and uh, that's how we're going to sleep at night. So, Coach, we really can't have a college coach on the podcast without talking about NIL and the transfer portal. Right. So share your thoughts on both. I'll let you pick which one you want to talk about first. But but what are your thoughts on on both NIL and the transfer portal? Yeah, NIL um, at at our level, it's definitely coming and, you know, trying to figure out ways to – um, hopefully set our set our program up some way some some way some way somehow in that situation. But I, I think it's it's a good thing when when handled the right way. I, I've been hearing a lot of talk, especially at college football right now. They're talking about they need to have some type of kind of governance or governing body to to monitor and actually give a true parameter of what does it look like for NIL deals. I, I think that you should be able to get, you know, some resources for you. Uh, if your name is, is being out there, being represented at the schools, I think it's crazy that kids are getting NIL deals before they get on college campuses, before they make a play um, on a college field, on a college football field or basketball field or whatever sport. I think that that is a, a little bit, uh, a little bit wild, but um, I think it's a good thing. I just think we need to make sure we're, we're helping our athletes understand how to use it the right way. And, and uh, you know, we can we can govern it a little bit more going forward in the future. Um, the transfer portal, uh, same thing. I, I think it's a good thing. I, I think there should be probably a, a, a limit to me on potentially how many times you can transfer and, and the times that you can transfer type of thing. But, you know, as a, as a coach, you know, you see it all the time. A coach is coaching a school and then he leaves and goes somewhere else. Um, I, I think in young men should young women, men and women, regardless of the sport, should have that opportunity as well. Um, I, I just think they need to understand what's happening right now, right? Like an NCAA, what those stats came out the other day, or, or maybe a week ago now, that you know, for, was it like forty-eight percent of the names that went into the transfer portal for men's basketball are not on a roster for this upcoming year, right? And, and you just have to, you have to understand that and be aware of like. Just because you go in the transfer portal does not mean you're going to end up uh, somewhere else. And it definitely doesn't mean you're going to end up in a better situation. And so I just I just hope that our athletes un- understand that as they're you know making these decisions. Yeah, the grass isn't always greener on the other side, right? Right, for sure. So so you've had the opportunity to coach some pretty special players over the years. Um, yep. The players like Christian Jones, Will Patrick, yeah. mm-hmm. Kevin Lewis, uh, Andrew Russell, just to name a few. Um, what was it about these players that made them special. Yeah, they the the, the cliche, but it's so real. Um, is they they worked on their game more than the other players did. You you have to basketball is one of those one of those sports where when you put the work in, um, you see it right, and you you can gr- drastically see it most of the time. And even at the college level, right, you have to find ways to separate yourself. And the way you separate yourself is, is by outworking your teammates and by outworking the, your opponents. Um, everybody that plays on our our roster this past year. Um, was a starter in high school, um, you know, average, you know, prob- most of our guys averaged more than 15 points. Um, if they didn't, that means they had a unique skill, whether they're super tall or they're super fast, whatever. But all of our guys on our roster are, are really good basketball players, right? So it's like, how are you going to separate yourself from your teammates? Is you have to work more. And, and hopefully you get, you get a team. Um, our most successful team at Wilmington had three of those four individuals that you said 
Um, and they were in the gym constantly, right? They were in the in the weight room getting extra reps, and they were pulling other guys with them. Um, but they did that. Right? They they were the hardest workers on our team, man. They they really did. Um, and, and I would say even more so than that is the summertime. Um, they came back better basketball players. They went home. Uh, I remember Christian Jones before his senior year, he put about 15 pounds of muscle on right before he was the second leading scorer in our conference. Um, Kevin Lewis did the same thing before his senior year and had a, a tremendous senior season campaign. Will Patrick, Andrew Russell, right? They came back um, just just more polished basketball players every single time they came back to our campus in the summertime. So, Coach, uh, talk to us a little bit about your personal and, and program philosophy of we press on. Yeah, I, I know this is something that Walt and I have stolen from you to use as we start our new program. Love it. And would really love for you to share with our listeners what it means to you, your program, and how this just isn't a program motto in a simple saying, and it goes beyond that. Yeah. You know, the the, the overall thing for me is I, I think um, to have to I'll start off with this, to have something that you can you know quickly say um, to your team and that they fully understand, I, I think is very important um, when you're building out communication um, and you're building out a you know one minded approach uh, with any program, team, company or, or whatnot. Um, and so why, you know, we press on was I, I, I you know, kind of have figured that out to be one that that separates itself for me is. It just it embodies so many things. The we obviously is understanding that we are a team, right? It's going to take all of us and we need to be together in whatever avenue that we're moving in. Um, and then PRESS um, is an acronym right, that I use that you can break it down. The P stands for passion. The R stands for resilience. The E is enthusiasm. Um, the first S is support. The second S is strength. And that's just how we want to show up, how we want to show up individually. Um, we want to make sure that we're, we're always, whatever we're doing, we're doing it with passion. You know, we're doing things uh, with our, with the, being enthused about it, as well as just, you know, supporting each other and using our strength um, and, and, and always having that mindset of how we do things. And then the on is understanding that there's going to be some times where you're successful. There's going to be some times when um, you're not successful, but you have to keep moving forward. And that's just something that we've we've truly embodied and our, our guys have in, embraced. And that, that carries over off the court as well, man. I, I just think how, um, you know, we need to just continue to understand we are a team in everything that we do and all aspects that you're looking at it. Um, and we are trying to move on. Right. There's there's some good things that are going on in, in America right now. And, and there's some bad things. But in order for us to get to a better place is we have to figure out a way to keep moving forward. And so that's that's how um, we kind of just use that in, in our program. Um, and with our guys, the sun's going to come up tomorrow, right? I mean, the, the challenges of everyday life, no matter what happens, it's it's still going to be there. Our, our opponents are still going to be practicing hard. They're still going to be coming to beat us, right? That, just kind of keep moving forward, one foot hey, in front of the next. I love that. Hey, qu- love that. Quick story. I, I I remember this. We uh senior year of football, we went nine and one, and our only loss was to Cambridge. Um, shout out to Stephen Ford, RRP, RIP uh, to the young man, but uh, he had a career night against us. And we lost, and it was our homecoming game. And mm. obviously, big game, senior year, homecoming at home. And and Coach Von Kuhn, or Coach If came into the locker room, talked a little bit about the game, and then he ended with this: "In all of your dates, better have a good time tomorrow night at the dance." And he said, "Just because you lost the game does not mean the sun isn't going to come up tomorrow, and it doesn't mean you get to treat people any other type of way." And if I hear anything about your dates not having a good time, 
we'll figure we'll figure it out on Monday at practice. I, I still remember it to this day. And he said it just like that. Um, and it was just, you know, that mindset. Yeah, the next day is going to is going to come up. You know, it's going to come up. We're going to be fine. And and uh, it is a game that we want to win. Uh, but we got to yeah. keep moving forward for sure. OK, Micah, now we'd like to transition to a segment we call Triple Threat. We Love give it. you three topics and we let you share your thoughts, ideas, experiences, suggestions, maybe just the first thing that comes to mind with our listeners. Are you ready to go? Absolutely. Okay. So number one, first and triple threat, the shot clock. Good idea or bad idea for high school basketball? Uh, you got to unpack it, but because I'm being fast here, uh, I, I personally say bad idea for high school basketball. Um, I get the- that's a Dover guy right there. Walt. That's a Dover guy right there. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, listen, here's the thing. Here, here's my reason why. Just because you add a shot clock does not mean it's going to be better basketball. That's that's my only reason. Um, I, I get it. I, I think that there's a place for it and I, I think it could enhance the game. But just because you add a shot clock doesn't mean coaches are going to coach better. And it doesn't mean your basketball players are going to play better. So, coach, let's talk about ball screens in the perfect world. If you could choose one, are you switching it? Are you icing it? Are you hard hedging it? Soft showing it? Are you doing drop coverage? What? How do you prefer to defend the ball screen? It, per, uh, perfect world is... I, I would have watched the film and I would have identified which player can hurt us the most. Is it the guy with the ball in his hands or is it the roller? And whichever one can hurt us the most, that's the one I'm going to try to eliminate. So hopefully, uh, you know, we're going to be able to guard ball screens a couple ways this year, but uh, I'm a switcher. I, I would love to switch ball screens. I don't think uh, most guards can can attack the, the ball screen the right way. So I'm going to try to switch first and hopefully we have a better athlete at those positions. So, so finally, coach, let's talk a little skill development. Um, First, who are the best people around to learn from when it comes to skill development? So maybe who do you study and would you recommend for high school coaches to study? And then second, you know, what should be a part of every skill workout that coaches, you know, we're getting in uh, September now. So coaches are starting to plan these workouts. You know, we, we can do three, four man workouts now. Yeah. Um, what should be a part of every skill workout? Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so some names. So first off, any culture you're trying to improve your skill or practices, uh, I, I would, and I'm not trying to say this as a plug, I, I would wholeheartedly look up at PGC basketball, whatever we have on our YouTube channels, um, whatever we have on our, our social media channels, um, at PGC basketball, um, we have some high-level coaches and teachers of the game that that break things down. Um, guys that I, I would, um, you know, look up to and, and look at and, and try to follow, I think Ed LeBlanc uh, does a great job, a former Nike coach that also um, works with PGC. Um, Tyler Costin, who actually is going to be speaking at the clinic as well, um, does a great job with coaches. Um, Dustin Albright um, is, a, is a younger coach. He's actually he's, he's my age, but coming onto the scene in, in player development vastly. Um, and I, I, I like a guy by the name, another Micah that I know, Micah Lancaster. I think he does a really good job with uh, materials online that I that I follow as well. Um, Drew Halen, right? They're all these guys that you, you guys have probably seen on YouTube and Instagram and things like that, but they all do. They, they also do a good job of breaking the game down. And then a skill set that I would say, I, I think I, I won't say that I'm a wholeheartedly believer. There's no absolutes in the game of basketball. Um, so I don't, I don't think there's, there's one absolute. I think you have to figure out what you want your players to be good at and why and, and start there. For me, I, I want all my players to be able to be scorers. I want them all to have the ability um, to get the ball in their hand and be a threat to the defense. So we do a lot of one-on-one -on -one work and a lot of 
you know, the ability to, to move your defender and, and get an advantage on the offensive side. Um, so, you know, that's that's going to look different from my post players than it's going to look for my guards. But I, I think one-on-one, and, and not the one-on-one where you get the basketball and you have five dribbles and you have all this space. Like, you got to play confined one-on-one um, and teach your players how to make quick, detailed moves. And not just make quick, detailed moves, but teach them why. Why to do it and when to do it um, should be something that I, I feel like a lot of coaches are, are doing. So, Mike, as a follow-up to that, you're going to be joining us this year at the 2022 OHSBCA Clinic, powered by BSN Sports. Yeah, and the topic, the topic of your presentation is going to be how to level up your players' one-on-one games. Uh, can you give us maybe a little teaser of what coaches that are in attendance can expect? Yeah, I want to start off, um, we're just going to talk about how to move that first defender off your line of attack um, and how beneficial that is to you as a one-on-one player. Um, and I'm going to break that down from different areas on the court, um, different positions on the court, um, how you can you know, do that. Um, then we're going to talk about some one-on-one games and, and areas to play and how you can play to hopefully enhance our coaches' one-on-one game, um, their package, and, and you know, take that back home with them. And then also talk about some one-on-one defensive tactics um, that I've seen uh, you know, some, of the best division, some of the best just one-on-one players use as a defender that I think are little things that a lot of players can use that sometimes get missed. Um, so those are the three areas that, you know, I'm going to cover. And, uh, man, I, I can't wait uh, to be there. At, you know, I, as Ohio Basketball Coaches Association um, is one of the top ones in the country. And to be part of it uh, is truly just humbling and a blessing. So uh, I, I've been revving up for it and uh, excited. So, Coach, this has been great. And we have one more question for you. But before we get to that, uh, we want to thank you for coming on the show tonight. And I think I can speak for all of us back here in Dover and T County and saying, you know, how uh, how we are of you and, and what you've been able to accomplish. And, and we wish you nothing but the best this season and really appreciate you coming on. Look forward to seeing you here in a few weeks down in Columbus. Hey, thanks. Thanks again for having me on. And uh, I got like I say about my hometown, man, it's Dover. Dover is uh, maybe not perfect, uh, but man, it's a, it's a great place to grow up in and uh, it's, it's a great place to to raise a family in and um, I'm hardly home, but I'm, I'm always repping T County, baby. I'm always repping T County. Um, and I, I love my Dover tornadoes. So, so coach the other day, I asked you about some of the players that you have had the opportunity to coach over the years. And the conversation led to you sharing with me, those players that you have had the opportunity to coach that are now coaching at the high school level, individuals like Derek Dickey at Jonathan Alder and Christian Jones at Hamilton. And I believe there were around five or six individuals you mentioned. I am sure as a coach, it has to make you proud to see your former players now having success as a coach and impacting student athletes the way you impacted them. And I was hoping uh, that you would take a few moments as we close the show here and share with our listeners your beliefs on the role of a coach and how we can have the greatest impact on our student athletes. Yeah, uh, really, really am proud of, of of that, of just seeing players um, continue to, after they've played for me, to have a passion for the game and, and want to get into the game to coach. Uh, it's awesome to see, um, and I, I support them all as much as I can and, and get out to their games and give them support. But, yeah, I love seeing that. Um, one of the quotes that really stands out to me when you're talking about coaching is, um, is the Billy Graham quote, quote, which I'm sure a lot of coaches have heard before, um, but the one that, uh, you know, a coach will impact more young people in a year um, than the average person will in a lifetime. And that's not something that, you know, 
I think any coach should ever take lightly, um, nor, nor do I. You know, the opportunities that we have um, to instill, you know, values, um, to instill habits, um, to instill confidence um, in our young men uh, is it, something that we should never and we cannot ever take for granted. Um, you know, a coach has the opportunity of truly um, inspiring someone to do something that uh, they probably didn't think that they could or or negatively, you know, on the, on the other side is is, uh, you know, hindering someone or, or putting self-doubt into someone uh, more than probably what they they deserve to have or what they should have. Um, and so I, I just really am, am blessed with this opportunity to coach, blessed with the opportunity to connect uh, with young people and through, through the game of basketball, man. And uh, I just I, I just know how impactful coaches have been in my life. Um, and I just want to have the same impact in, in my players life, man. And, you know, the idea of where the word coach actually comes from, you know, back in the early 1700s when that that buggy just started a coach buggy and when you look up coach carriage uh, is the ability to carry someone from one destination to their next destination all right and and that's our that's our role that's our job as coaches is to take our athletes wherever they're at and to carry them to the next point of their life that they need to get to and i just do that through the game of basketball but uh it's something that i, I don't take lightly um and something that i'm very grateful for and and, and uh you know, just, just blessed to really do. Thanks for listening to Holding Court, presented by the Ohio High School Basketball Coaches Association. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, keep up with us on Twitter and Facebook at Ohio BK Coaches, on Instagram at OHSBCA1947, and online at www.oh.nhsbca.org. Until next time.